Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Here's Prescott. Over the middle, fire, caught CeeDee Lamb, touchdown Dallas. Here's Prescott back to throw, quick hitter over the middle, Lamb in traffic, makes a catch, still on his feet, down inside the 20. Third and eight, four-man rush, Prescott escapes, rolling, looking, throwing, caught for the touchdown, guess who? Only thing else I can say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, how about that? The Cowboys win over an NFC team, the Rams at that. We'd love to see it. We'd love to see what C.D. Lamb did, too. We'll talk about that and break down all this and look to the next game on this episode of About Them Cowboys, courtesy of The Athletic, with John Mishoda and Saad Youssef, your Cowboys beat writers. And to lead us through, it's KT. Fun wins. Turner. Hey, KT. Good to get the win. All right. Feeling good. And now we're on to Eagles week. What a time to be alive. And John, my goodness, in all three phases, uh, gala yesterday at AT&T Stadium. No fear of the sleepy noon game. No, no, no. We're riding the World Series high in this town. We came out ready to go yesterday. The game was over very easy. Were you surprised? A little bit. But yes, complimentary football. That was what was on display there. I mean, that's that's what the coaches like to see. There's a lot of complimentary scoring going on by the offense, defense, and special teams. So, yes, that was uh, it was impressive. Um, but when you are looking back to the Niners game, uh, it's hard not to look forward ever since that Niners game to this Eagles game that's coming up. So I thought the Cowboys were better team than the Chargers. I thought they were a better team than the Rams. I thought playing against a team with the – least mobile quarterback that they faced up to this point, Matthew Stafford, would be big for this defensive front, and it was. And uh, Deron Bland continues to ascend. So those are all great things for the Cowboys. And then the other part, and maybe the biggest part of all, is the fact that you have back-to-back weeks now where it really looks like Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb have taken their rapport to another level, which is huge because of just how questionable that rapport looked in San Francisco. And you're most certainly going to need them to to have big games to beat the Eagles. And that certainly seems possible. Uh, my one last take I will have uh, that ties this all together is that when I watch the Rams defense, I look at Aaron Donald and I go, yeah, put two, three guys on him and let, make everybody else wreck the game. There's no more Leonard Floyd over there. Uh, there's no more Von Miller. There's no more Jalen Ramsey. So if you can contain him, make somebody else do the work. And I bring that up only to say it's not apples to apples, but there are some similarities about if I was facing the Cowboys, take away C.D. Lamb, make them beat you with something else. And uh, I feel pretty strongly that will be a big part of the Eagles game plan. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think last yesterday I, I was, keep saying last night, but because you just think the Cowboys are gonna play night games. But yeah, yesterday uh, I think the it was complimentary football, but to me it looked a lot similar to that Giants game. It looked similar to um, some of these other games where I think the offense again does. Ju- I don't want to shortchange them credit because I think Dak had probably his best game of the season. Um, that Ferguson throw to me was just absolutely phenomenal. One of his best throws of the season, uh, at least one that was caught. I, I think that Luke Schoonmaker throw was an absolute dime against the Patriots, um, but that one was dropped. So I think the offense played really well. But I think I think we kind of saw where the offense is in a bet in in the best position to thrive, and that is when. They can kind of do their thing. They had two 10-play drives. I think it was maybe it was one 10-play drive, one 9-play drive. They have a 10-3 lead, and then just, you know, S hits the fan from there. And, you know, you see Deron Bland do what he does, and uh, and you just look at how much of the special teams and defense really did play a role. I think if they can, if they can help propel the offense, and by the way, there's no shame in that. Like, this is... You know, this is, uh, I go back to what Mike McCarthy said the day after the 49ers game, where he literally said pretty much, and I quote, like, you know, defense is the identity, make no bones about it. It's not a slight to the offense. And I, and I agree with that. It's not a slight to the offense. Um, it, this is just a defensive identity team. They can't, uh, w- when you look back at the 49ers game, the 42 to 10 loss, to me, the 42 was more concerning than the 10. It's just, this is what the team thrives on and relies on. So, um, you know, we, we kind of always harken back a little bit to our, our past fandoms. And, you know, I grew up a Patriots fan, early 2000s. Yeah, you had who was going to become the greatest quarterback of all time. You had Tom Brady. Those were defensive teams that the Patriots had in 2001, 3, and 4 that won the Super Bowls. And the offense was doing just enough to get the job done. And like I said, there's no shame in doing that. And I think that's where the Cowboys are. Well, I'll start with you on this one, Saad. How concerned were you after the very first series of the game? Uh, after the first series, not so much. After the first sequence of plays, I was I was definitely concerned. It was, uh, you know, the obviously three sacks and four plays. I know one of them didn't count, but that defensive contact, illegal contact penalty wasn't the reason why the sack happened because there was hardly a penalty there. So, um I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was concerned because we all know that, you know, you can have the best game plan, you can have everything going, the trenches can ruin everything in a, in a split second. And they I, and it felt like they almost did. But once uh, once the offense got going, I, you know, it kind of it kind of did subside a little bit. What about you, John? Is that first, you know, first set of plays was wild. <laughs> It was, and even though they got past the Rams, it is one of those things that you look at as that offensive line has been an issue all season so far. Uh, we looked at it as a potential issue going into training camp. Uh, if not for the starters, the depth, and I don't feel that much more comfortable about it today than I did at the start of the season. Uh, unfortunately, Offensive linemen are, are difficult to uh, add at this point in the season. Not, you don't really see very many. All the trades that come through, you, you very rarely see an established offensive lineman being traded. And uh, for that to happen, you probably would have to give up quite a bit. Uh, I maintain that it, it, I would be surprised if the Cowboys' first-round pick next 
you know, in April is not an offensive lineman. Um, I'm, I would have a lot. I have a lot of concerns about it, and I had concerns coming out of that Niners game because that was the first game where you had everyone, and so now it's Tyron Smith's hurt again, and it's one of those things where he wanted to play, uh, but he, you know, he suffered a neck stinger last week during practice. They didn't feel like he recovered enough from it to put him out on the field. Is this going to be something that's going to be the case all season long? And whether it is or not, I just have my questions about this offensive line getting to the level that it needs to be to finally establish a running game that they so badly wanted to be the, you know, the identity of this team on offense. And I just don't see how, oh yeah, just more that they play together, it's going to get to that level. I, I think it's now to the point where, all right, that was the plan going in. That sounded good. We really wanted to do that. But we're going to have to score points by throwing the ball through the air. And if that means we target CD 15, 20 times a game, so be it. And to be honest with you, you have to play to the hand you're dealt. And that is the hand that this team has been dealt. Yeah. And let me, let me say, so how shocked were you when that came down before the game, you know, the 1030 AM injury report that Tyron wouldn't be playing? I mean, it certainly was surprising, but we're also talking about this is the same season where we thought Tyron would play uh against Arizona and he goes out there and he and you know he's out there for warm-ups and I believe he was a captain for the game and he didn't play and so um because of where he's at in his career and his injury history um un, uh, even if he's out there for the first series you're just like will he be out there for the second if he's out there for the second series will he be out there for the third I mean they're just the time of just you know expecting to have a, a starting five offensive line out there together it just isn't there and, and and I just don't know if they have the guys behind Tyron that make you feel all that much more comfortable. Of course, when you ask the coaches about it, they'll tell you all these great things about Awesome Richards and, and what they have in some of their young offensive linemen. But if they're being honest with you, that's got to be, that's their biggest area of concern too, is that offensive line and its depth. Yeah. The other thing, like, so I guess, uh, Chuma Doga and Austin Richard should get a little bit of credit. Cause I, I was, we were looking at a, uh, for about five minutes, they're looking at a Chaz Green game type situation. Um, let's go to defense, though, real quick. I mean, Deron Bland is now starting to amaze in the same way that Trevon Diggs did. It's already been incredible, but another one, three touchdowns to the house. How much of that is luck? How much of that is. Skill and anticipation, the randomness of football. There's one thing that keeps sticking with me about Deron Bland is everyone goes, well, he can't play outside. He's too small. And he's like, hey, guys, I did this in college. So why don't y'all chill? I can play outside. Um, just, I, I don't know. It's a lot, to, a lot there I'm kind of setting up for you, but it's let me, let me just getting throw a statistically one... phenomenal right now. Yeah, let me just throw in one thing real quick and then side uh, whatever you want to say on Bland. Uh, I did find interesting when I asked Mike McCarthy about it today, he pointed out something that maybe I'm the only one that found interesting, but I did is in his answer about Bland, and I asked him specifically about players getting pick sixes because it's obviously not easy to do. Uh, intercepting passes isn't easy to do, let alone to have multiple pick sixes like Bland does. And, and, and the part that stood out most to me was him talking about Bland being a young corner. So because he's young, quarterbacks will try them. Okay, And that was yeah. interesting to me because... You look at stats and you sit there and you go like, well, Jerron Bland just must be the best at taking the ball away. He's very good at it, but there's a lot of corners in this league, as you guys know very well, that there's a lot of that quarterbacks just won't even try certain throws because they're just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this. So I found that interesting. 
Yeah, and I think when we were talking to Dan Quinn today about it too, I think another part that that he brought up that I think is is um, is interesting as well is that you know your your coach back there is Al Harris who has a lot of practice and experience in that position. Um, the guy opposite of you is probably one of the most savvy veterans um, playing outside corner. Like you, you are in a very good environment now. Any corner can be in that environment and not take advantage of that. So I'm not taking anything away from Duran Bland. But when you got Gilmore to learn from, Al Harris to learn from, you've seen what Trayvon Diggs is doing. You're in a good situation uh, to really take it to the next level. And I, I think there is something to also just having a knack for the ball. We used to talk about this with Jordan Lewis all the time. I mean, look at look at whatever that fumble, uh, not fumble, whatever that was with Micah Parsons. Um, yesterday where, you know, he stripped uh, Stafford, but then it was an incomplete pass, which was the correct call. But Jordan Lewis was just Johnny on the spot, you know, like he was just right. The ball just seems to find some players. And there is a little bit of that with Deron Bland as well. But I do think a lot of it is instinctual. Um, I also think, and, and John and I have talked about this before, uh, Corner the the cornerback position is kind of like the wide receiver position in terms of the flair and the style that those players usually uh, play with. Can you think of more business like duo that play at the level that this duo does of Gilmore and Bland in terms of not being, you know, crazy celebrations and and all this stuff? Whether they're forcing incomplete passes or whatever, they're just they just go about it business as usual, and I think. That mindset from Deron Bland, I, I think, does serve him well. The Gilmore, saw- Bland, Jordan Lewis trio is is good enough for this team to do whatever they want to do this season. I just have some concerns if one of them suffers an injury because I have questions about whoever next up would be. Right now it looks like it would be Nishan Wright or Noah Igbenogany, and I just think there's a little bit of a drop-off there. But mm-hmm. as a... If maybe their one major injury in the defensive backfield was Diggs and they'll be good the rest of the season, I do think that they're in good shape if all three of those guys are healthy. Uh, Saad, I know we, uh, we got to let you go soon because you, uh, you got a Stars game tonight. Uh, everyone uh, follow Saad for Dallas Stars coverage as well, as well as his piece on the Cowboys too. Uh, anything you want to get off your chest here? Trade deadline is coming up tomorrow. That'll be at 3 p.m. Uh, any Halloween thoughts? Is there anything, you know, just shoot your shot here. Are you wearing a costume to the Stars game, Saad? No, no, not wearing a costume to the Stars game. But, uh, but no, I think uh, the only one dressed like Charlie Chaplin. No, not at all. You can't take your hat off because then you look like Hitler. (laughs) I I get that Pam Beasley reference. That's where. That's right where my. I think. I think John. John has caught in the brunt of of my uh, office brain because every time we have a conversation, uh, it turns into that because I know he's a fan too, and so. Uh, usually the thoughts that just fester in my head usually come out of my mouth when I'm around John. So, um, but, uh, but no, I, I think when you look at, for me, the way that they're approaching this game is going to be interesting because Mike McCarthy was asked about, um, the approach to the 49ers game and, you know, Dak, Dak was interesting after the game as well, because he didn't, he didn't shoot it down, which I respect, uh, McCarthy also said that today too. He was like, look, even in the lead up to the 49ers game, we were just giving y'all honest answers about how we felt about that game, about it being a measuring stick. Um, 
this game is going to be uh th this game is going to you know set the table set the tone a lot for how we feel about this team in the home stretch and their playoff hopes and here's the thing if the, th and this is kind of the crazy thing because of how bad they got their butts kicked by the the 49ers that if they beat the Philadelphia Eagles this team is number 1 in the NFC right now i know there yeah. there's ties like the Detroit Lions and things like that but the 49ers have lost three straight. You'd have the tiebreaker for, for the time being over the Eagles. This team would be the number one team in the NFC if they take care of business in Philadelphia. That's how drastically things have changed in the last three, four weeks since they got their butts kicked by the 49ers. So I think it's important. And the last thing I'll say on this is that I think it's important that they, they keep playing to their identity, which is their defense. And this will be a very interesting kind of test of that because I'm going to go back and watch all of Jalen Hurts' turnovers, but it should be noted that Jalen Hurts is second in the league in turning the ball over right now, only one behind Desmond Ritter from the Atlanta Falcons. He has 11 turnovers, eight interceptions. So the opportunity should be there, relatively speaking, at least on, on just looking at the stats. I haven't looked at all the tape yet, but looking at the stats, it should be there. And, and you know, how the Cowboys play that will be interesting. Yeah, and before uh, before uh, you weigh on, and we kind of move on a little bit to the Eagles here in a minute, John Side, let's go ahead and give your pick before you get out of here, just so we have it on record here. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a very hostile environment. I think my favorite moment of the press conferences today, whereas Mike McCarthy was asked, you know, why is uh, Philadelphia uh, a unique place to play, and he just kind of chuckled, stopped, and just said, "Friendly people," and that was a that was a great answer, but. Um, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles taking care of business 31-28. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I think, you know, the elements and just the environment and everything will play a role, and I think the Eagles will squeak out a win. All right. Well, have fun. Always a good night at the AAC. Hockey, uh, Halloween night at the Stars game. Always a lot of fun. It's crazy sports times at DFW right now. It is insane. Oh, uh, we got a four for all tonight. Rangers, Mavs, Stars, and FC Dallas. Oh, one of those is the World Series. Um, Sod, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, John. When he, uh, well, maybe, maybe we should. I want to bury the Rams game just yet. There's a few more things I want to get to. Okay. First of all, CeeDee Lamb, outstanding 12 catches. Whatever they've gotten figured out, maybe some of it was just, hey, let me just uh, show everyone that I'm pissed off and need the ball. Hey, I got no problem about my number one wide receiver acting like that. Uh, whatever stereotype you want to say about the number one wide receiver, hey, go play like a number one wide receiver and you can deal with it. And we've certainly gotten that the last two weeks. Changes the whole offense, opens up things for other people, and makes up, for the biggest part for me, the Cowboys' inability to run the ball has been highly disappointing. Um you know, some talking heads will sit there and tell you part of that is Tony Pollard's fault. I tend to disagree, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you know, what I said. The point is they have not ran the ball very well. And to play that ball control style that McCarthy wants to play, you do need to run the ball better than they did or better than they have been. I did see a little bit of hope, a little bit of reason for optimism that they can get that going moving forward. But i tell you what makes up for that is getting CeeDee Lamb involved in the first half and get that going ASAP, and then you're good. Yeah, uh, the CD thing, I would say, one thing that the Cowboys have pointed out, CD included, since the game ended, was that uh, they've used him a little bit more on the outside these last two weeks that instead of where he's been much more in the slot. And so that's going to be a huge key, moving him around. Uh, if you just leave him in one spot, Obviously, teams can focus in on that, and, and it'll be easier to take him away. I mean, heck, look at, like, again, flipping over to the defensive side, Micah Parsons, Aaron Donald. I mean, one of the things that makes them so great is that they can play so many different positions, and from snap to snap, you really don't know where they're going to be. And so that's a huge part of it, no question. It was great to see Jake Ferguson catch all four of his targets, including, including that touchdown pass early. So it looks like between them two, they're developing a rapport with, with Cooks and, and Dak, obviously. So you're developing some of these other weapons to where you feel really good if you can get something going in the run game. The disheartening part is that, you know, they wanted they want to average four four and a half yards per carry or more, and they went into that game averaging three point nine. And in that game they averaged three point nine. And so there's a part of you there just like, I, I just don't know how this is automatically gonna get fixed unless the numbers will go up because you play against some I don't know, bad run defenses. Uh, you know, that's that would be, you know, my biggest thing. Um, and I look at it right now, 3.9 yards per carry. I mean, that does, you're, you're below middle of the pack. You know, I mean, this is a team, they have to average over four yards a carry. And uh, is that going to happen, you know, against, uh, you know, an Eagles team that I, I believe their rush defense is the best in the league? I think they're holding team. I think I think the last time I'd looked at sixty five yards a game or something, something along those lines. I could be wrong. I'll double check on that. But did you see the fake tush push? I did not see it. It was asked about today in the press conference. Yeah, that I was that it. was awesome. <laughs> it's incredible. They're now running plays off the brotherly shove tush push ham ram. 
Like, they're running plays off of that now. <laughs> so, <laughs> boy, it seems unfair, doesn't it? So, yes, they're holding teams to, to a league low, 65.5 rushing yards per game, the Eagles are. And they're holding their opponents at 3.8 yards per carry. So it's right on par with where the Cowboys are right now. So I wouldn't think that this would be the game where all of a sudden you go to Philadelphia and you get the run game going. I would say that that would be a good barometer for how the team's going to play if they get some some runs in there early. And, and here's the other part about it. Yeah, it's 3.9 in, in, in the game from against the Rams, but that's with some handoffs to cd lamb you know it wasn't like it was just some like traditional run game that yeah uh that th- that's the area that they need to get going maybe it will uh if not do we get to a point where you start throwing the ball more and you try and light up the scoreboard i mean that's where i want to go with it probably but <laughs> well, let me, how much of this do you think because like this year we have what one close game in the, in the Chargers game, do we have another game that's close this year? Or am I, that would be am the I only remembering? one. Okay. That would be the only one. So we'll call that the outlier game there. Okay, let's t- strike that from the records for now. Okay. You have five games that have been blowout wins, one game that was a loss. Five blowout games, you didn't run the ball very well. The one blowout loss to the Cardinals, you did run the ball well. How much of that is... Playing from ahead, the other team knows you're going to run it, so they're shutting it down. You go to the Cardinal game, you have good rushing numbers because the other team knows you're going to throw it because you're behind. I'm wondering if there's a little bit of oddities there when it comes to some of these metrics. Yeah, I mean, in metrics, why, sure. I mean, yeah, that could be all possible for it. I just look at an offensive line that's banged up. I look at Tony Pollard, who, uh, you know, I don't know that he's getting – Maybe he needs to get more touches. Uh, maybe they need to be, I don't know, have a little bit more variety in the run game. I just, from what I've seen up to this point, I don't have strong feelings about, oh no, this is this is just, you got to keep battering away and eventually it's going to break through. I I don't have that feeling. No, and I don't, I don't have that feeling either. I don't, don't have that desire. Just for fun while we're here. C.D. Lamb of the last two weeks, or last two games, where does he stack up in the league? Good question. Good question. Where I mean, does he crack your top ten? Would he? Absolutely. I don't even have to start looking at lists, and and I I don't I can't see you finding ten wide receivers that I would take over C D Lamb. I, I I I would be very surprised by that. Okay, I'm gonna test you here then. Yeah, let's do it. Jefferson. Yes. I'm on Ross St. Brown. That's a tough one. I would probably lean. I probably. I would lean. I would take CD, but he. Amron St. Brown has been very, very good, but I would lean CD either. Okay, that was the one what I a, thought I might be able to. Who's going to be good? I can, I mean, I'm I'm gonna, this is going to be close. Yeah, it is going to be close. I think uh, Packers and Bears won't function uh, right there. Uh, 49ers. I mean, would you take Debo or Ayuk over CD no. Lamb? No. Okay. Would you take DK Metcalf? No. Tyler Lockett? No, of course no. not. Smith and Jigba? Uh, no. I had to think for a second there. Picture in Ohio State. No. Cardinals, you wouldn't take Hollywood Brown over him? No. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. It's going to be tough. I think 
Maybe 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 I'm wrong. I kind of thought I thought you'd have a hard time squeezing him in the top ten. I'm going. Maybe not. No one on the Panthers. Just, I'm thinking off the top of my head. I'm without Olave. looking at Tyreek Hill. I mean, when I'm thinking off the top of my head, the first ones I was thinking of are Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and um, Jamar Chase. And so I was like, well, those three, yes. But now after that, it's like he's in there with everybody else because, yeah, like the Cooper Cup of a year or two ago when he was completely healthy. Yeah, I mean that guy's a two two thousand yard type receiver. Okay, I would go. But right now, I don't know if I would go Cooper Cup right now where, where he's at in his career, where CD is. You got to also factor this in too: is that every year CD Lamb has played in the NFL, he's gotten better. So I don't know that we've seen the best of CD. But I'm going off of what I've seen so far, and. I'm telling you, other than those top three, everybody else, because like the one that I thought you were going to name that's like is very debatable and I can go either way on would be A.J. Brown. Really? Yeah. What about... Boy, I... You can go either Brown. way. Not, I, I would go A.J. Brown, uh, but... I can hear an argument for either one. What about... What, okay. How much is Devontae Smith being on the opposite yeah. of A.J. Brown? Devontae Smith is, is... is Are you taking any Cowboys wide receiver, tight end, running back, anybody over Devontae Smith? I mean, I think that helps having him out there. Maybe. No, just see. But I think A.J. Brown's a true number one. Size, Oh, I think C.D. Lamb's a true number one, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I'm not de- diminishing I'm just saying, by saying I'm I just take saying, A.J. Brown For anybody <laughs> that thinks that he's that much better, I'll just say this to you. Put A.J. Brown on a team that has a questionable offensive line, is trying to develop their tight ends, is struggling with the run game, and his two and three receivers are Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup. And then I, put well, C.D. Lamb, hold on, put C.D. Lamb on the Eagles with a dope offensive line, a good tight end, Devontae Smith, and a run game. What do you think C.D. Lamb's doing? You think he's just doing what he's doing right now, or do you think his numbers might be even better? No, way better. Well, C.D. has good quarterback and good receivers opposite him. I mean, they're not the like Devontae Smith level, but I do think defenses pay attention to the other Cowboys receivers. It's not uh, only CD. The what about? I think maybe Brandon Cooks. I don't know that anyone's paying attention to Michael Gallup. No, no. The uh, receivers leading the league in yards right now. Number one's Tyreek Hill. Already has over a thousand yards. Yeah, I think he was the fastest to a thousand. I think they said that the other day. Yeah, he was. Then AJ Brown, Puka Nakua, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore. Would you take Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, or Jamar Chase? Um, Jamar Chase, yes. Uh, the only thing about Diggs for me is it just seems like he always wants to leave wherever he's at. Um, so, but yeah. in terms of his ability, uh, I could see someone arguing over CD. I would. I'll, I'm. I'm taking CD over over Diggs yeah, right and, now. And I'm not just like killing time here with the uh, with a hot take topic. I, I'm. I do think a lot of Cowboy fans have this discussion about C.D. Lamb. I wish he played like a true number one. And I think he's starting I think to. See, I think putting him oh, putting yeah, him on the outside, putting now. him as the X is the key. You know, Don't that's part like Dak sounding a little more confident. Even Zach's post game press conference. And look, when you win forty three twenty, I guess you're all in a good mood. But Dak even seemed more comfortable. It's the first time you actually heard him say that he's feeling comfortable. Yeah. So maybe maybe it is a little bit of just like waiting on the offense. I know that's an easy take to have when you go smoke a team, and we've been griping about the offense a little bit, or I've been griping about, about the offense a little bit in the first half of the year. 
And then you come off by and do that. But for Dak to say that is something is Dak's usually pretty quiet. For Dak to be like, yeah, I'm we're starting to, to feel it. You know, the the one thing Dak has done in the last few weeks outside of yesterday was miss a big throw in the first quarter, you know, on the first or second drive. And I thought for him to not really do that, that Jake Ferguson touchdown throw, I mean, that is classic Dak right there. It's a good version of Dak, putting it in the only place that Jake Ferguson could catch it. It also made me go, how many times have we seen a tight end go up the seam and make a catch like that? It feels like it's been a long time. Schultz, on occasion, the occasional Blake Jarwin back in the day, you know, a little bit stretching a little bit to make that. I mean, that was a tight end making a tight end one type of catch. And it makes me go, well, there's more we can get out of him because – well, we get another catch from Schoonmaker yesterday. We had catch two of the year for Schoonmaker. Yeah, <laughs> but it feels like, well, what if Ferguson turns into a bit of a bit of an animal? Now we start talking about the offense a little differently. Dak was great on that on that play on the scramble drill where he threw to a wide open CD Lamb. Now I will say, the defensive back that peeled off of CD to go after Dak, like Dak was going to just turn into Michael Vick and run that thing in for I don't know 20, 30 yards was. Pretty laughable to watch from the press box view up above, but hey, it happened, and you left CD Lamb wide open. Uh, I'd pay a couple hundred bucks to sit in the meeting room and listen to them break down that play in the Rams' defensive back meeting room. Uh, that would be entertaining. <laughs> um, but hey, he made the play. He bought time. He got outside the pocket. That was that was a really impressive play. He had. Dak, I mean, Dak is definitely playing with a lot of confidence. You can tell the, these last two weeks it's been, it's been building. So, And I, I sense that he'll be pretty confident against the Eagles because while we look at the Eagles as right now the class of the NFC, especially with the Niners losing the last three weeks in a row or last three games in a row, um, I don't think that they look at the Eagles like they look at the Niners just because they play the Eagles so much. And they've had success yeah. against the Eagles where against the Niners, it's just kind of one of these things where it's like every time – they play them. It's like they keep coming up short, and there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, just kind of like them in their head where I don't necessarily feel that way about the Eagles. Uh, I do think the Eagles are a better team. I am going to pick the Eagles to win this game, but I don't get the same impressions going into this game that I, I felt going into that Niners game. Do you uh, you go back and watch the TV copy when you get done sometimes, don't you? Do you yeah. Did you, uh, have you gotten to the TV copy of this game yet? I listened to some of it, yeah. There was a part in the game where little baby KK, Kevin Burkhart, says that Bill Belichick said Cavante Turpin is the best return man in football. Um, uh, did I you talk to Fossil that. today, too? The, 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 Fossil usually talks on Mondays, right? He did talk today, yep. Um, was he excited? That wasn't, was he... that wasn't brought up, but I have heard – I saw before the Cowboys played – the Patriots, I want to say that Bill said something along those lines in his rundown talking about uh, the Cowboys. Um, he might, it's so tough to compare because like, you know, when you're talking about receivers, it's like, it's not that difficult for me. I can be, I can be in the gray area a little bit on a few. I can think they're comparable, but like with returners, like with where the game has gone on special teams, how many returners are really getting to show off every Sunday? There are just so many plays that even if they end up being something, it's like, just hold on a second. 
one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. Yep, no, there's a flag down there. Yep, no, lower lower left hand of your screen. Yep, see it, there's a flag. Like it just they've taken that out of the game so much that it just like he might be, but that doesn't or mean what he's Master. Yeah. Maybe the eye test, because he's averaging five yards per punt return and it's a kickoff return. Twenty eight yards per kickoff return. Yeah. No touchdowns. I don't know. Well, can I go a little bigger picture for a second before we talk about the Eagles a little bit? Good. Do yeah, it. Go for it. Lions players. We're recording this on Monday night, by the way. Monday, October 30th, the Devil's Night. Um, Lions are on Monday Night Football. They'll be 6-2 and two after they beat the Raiders, I would imagine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Coming off that are, Ravens game? Are you throwing those guys up? Yeah, I know, right? That was a bad game. I feel like the bounce back will happen, though. I feel when like I look this season's at, been more wild than you. I don't know. Go on, sir. Well, no, it has. But you know, it's well, I think because of, like we've seen teams throw up your occasional uh, uh, just poop game out of nowhere, you know, where they just don't play well, they don't show up, and you chalk it up to, well, we just had a bad game plan, and the game got out of control, and we'll get them next time. And you KT. still think pretty decently about the team when we recorded that pod after the Niners game Mm -hmm. and I told you that I will bet you every penny that you that you have in your bank or that you have in your possession against mine on the Niners are going to lose the next three games they play after that game there's no way that you wouldn't have taken that bet no you're right that is absurd that that has happened. It is. Well, there's a couple things there. Okay. First of all, who'd the Niners lose to? A Vikings Cleveland team that was with playing? PJ Walker. Each And then each of their losses are getting worse. Each one of them, they've scored exactly 17 points. It's really odd. I, I tweeted this out after the game yesterday when I was watching it. I was just like, I can't believe how it, how it has gone to this level. Now, of course, they've had some injuries, but it's not like they're just completely decimated and they're playing a bunch of guys that you don't know. I mean, they still have a lot of their key guys out there. They lose to the Browns 19 to seven. Then they lose to the Vikings 22 to seven. I'm sorry, 19 to 17. Then they lose to the Vikings 22 to 17. And then they just lost at home to the Bengals 31 to 17. Again, I'm not saying that the Niners were coming off of a hard fought victory against the Dallas Cowboys. They obliterated them on a level that, to me, after that game, I was like, well, this is your clear favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. And now they're in the same group as like five or six other teams. Like there's nobody. And then you look at the way the Chiefs played last night. Like there's nobody that you're looking at right now and you're just like, oh, no, no. That that team right there, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. The Ravens? Well, the, chi- the Bills? The, the Chiefs. The Chiefs game we will ride off to Mahomes having the flu and Taylor not being there. And um, Travis Kelsey being at Texas Live after the Yeah, Rangers Travis Kelsey Friday attending night. a Ranger World Series. The so Rangers wild. Hey, how big of a story is that if that's a Cowboys player and they lay that egg? Yeah. Oh, my keep God. In mind, keep in mind, if anybody listening thinks that the Kansas City Chiefs play anywhere near Texas Live, they do not. This has been an interesting test case. And uh, because you know this, these NFL players, I don't know that the actual, like, everyday casual fan realizes how little time these guys have available. 
Yeah. Like, they're there early in the morning. They're there till after 5 p.m. almost every night. Like, they're study things that they have to do. There are other commitments. And I've almost been like, are there two Travis Kelseys? How is he at everything? But also fulfilling his commitments to the Chiefs. And by the way, showing no drop-off in, in quality of play. It's think, amazing. Uh, you think say that Tay has been lending him the private jet or one of the private jets. Well, so my girlfriend tried to tell me she goes, Well, she is like, technically, it could be on the way to Denver. <laughs> and I was like, No, it's still like he's at the World Series on a night. Well, if you have a private jet and you're getting out of practice at five o'clock, you could make it to Dallas in a private jet by the game. I mean, like oh, no, and you can make it back on flight. Saturday for whatever yeah. they do, walk through Wise, fly out, and all that. I'm not, hey, man, go to the World Series. You got a private jet, do that. Go to Texas Live. Sing Mr. Brightside. Throw back five, six, seven, ten Miller Lights. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. All I said was, if that was a Cowboys player, that oh, would yeah. be one of the biggest stories, that, like today, if, especially if they came off playing the way that they did. No and doubt. I haven't heard anybody even mention it. It's pretty wild. No. Well, but I'm happy for I him. Think he looked like he was living his best life. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. You know, Kelsey's probably going to go ball out next game for 150 yards and same with Mahomes. So, Boy, there's yeah. something to that, though. They're, they're not dealing with near the pressure the Cowboys are. Let me ask get you this, though, real quick. Real quick, KT, because when you said that about Kelsey, it made me think of this. Obviously, the Taylor Swift comparison doesn't work here. But in terms of the partying, you really think Kelsey's going at it harder than Gronk was. No, and he was playing at a high level for a long time. Yeah, no, that's true. Maybe that's it's the true. position. That's what during the combine these coaches and these scouts need to be looking for in these tight ends. This How wild guys. can my man get? <laughs> that's why they took Scootmaker in the second round, known to be a heavy drinker. <laughs> this, guy kidding, will, yeah. this guy will turn up on a Friday and Saturday. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> It is weird though. I was like, I, it just does seem maybe we're just maybe we're a little uh, conditioned against those types of things because of following the Cowboys for so long. Because it was shocking to me. I was like, he's got the game. Like, should they play in Denver? Like on Sunday, he should be there. You're right though at the NFC. Like, if you pull up just like the straight up playoff standings, obviously reseedings, you know, uh, come to effect and all those things. I mean, you got the Eagles there. The Seahawks at five and two, like I don't think anyone's taken Seattle terribly seriously yet. They think I got a good team that will make the playoffs just like last year. Traded for Leonard Williams. Does anyone see them as like a legit? Yeah, they just they trade for Leonard Williams today. Yeah, I will say before before the Leonard Williams trade, uh, I told Saad. I don't know if it was yesterday before the game or the day before. I said that they are the Seattle Seahawks were the comparison of uh, they're the Arizona Diamondbacks. Because I was telling him how I was like, it's wild how that can happen in baseball. I go, that will not happen in the NFL. I go, the equivalent no. of the Diamondbacks getting the World Series and potentially having a chance to win the whole damn thing is like Seattle doing that this year. Mm. Yeah, that would be I think wild. They have to be looking at how their division's unfolding, especially with how San Francisco's been trending and Stafford just sustained an injury. Maybe they feel like, you know, let's think small. We can win this division. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah. That's well, that's point. the thing about the the San Francisco. San Francisco gets a buy at the right time. They'll get Jacksonville. 
they'll get the Bucks, and then two of their next three will be Seattle. We'll, we'll know what's going on in that division real quickly. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I look at things, and uh, the Cowboys, obviously, this is a big one right here, and then they get a little bit of a respite on the schedule before it ramps up again. Have you looked at what um, the Eagles got coming up after? Or, well, in this stretch they're in right now? Well, it's what we talked about last week, right? Yeah. The Eagles kind of have that tough gauntlet coming. And they're in it. Yeah, they're in the gauntlet now. Yeah, officially, right? Um, but I, I don't, you know, the NFC is so grabbable. Mm-hmm. I still tend to think that San Francisco, when healthy, is your best team. Um, I mean, it's weird. The, a bye week at the right time is so so huge to just get away from it for a minute because they were banged up. Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown in 17 straight games. Like, we're used to him getting hurt. Well, what if this is the year that he doesn't get hurt? Um, you know, I, they'll, they'll pull Brock Purdy out of it. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am. As a guy who fought it for a long time and said he's not that great. But, I don't know. It's uh, it, I, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't take a lot to be – in the mix in the NFC. You need decent quarterback play, a decent roster, and then string together some games. Because Seattle, to me, does not strike me as this just, like, amazing roster. Geno Smith plays decent, plays the system. They do a good job. Their secondary's gotten good, and now they're making a little move for, you know, Leonard Williams. I like the Lions. The Lions are a tough team who do lack a superstar, that might be the one thing you could say about the Lions. They don't have the star. Uh, but they've got a quarterback who's been to a Super Bowl, no matter what anyone says about Jared Goff, been to a Super Bowl. Amon Ross St. Brown has become a top 10 wide receiver in the league. And they haven't fully utilized their rookie first round pick, you know, Jameer Gibbs. Maybe Aiden Hutchinson is, is the superstar, you know, player. That is a good, tough team. And I don't know how you feel like that team stacks up against the Cowboys. Like we talked. Packers, Eagles, 49ers. I mean, I'm sorry, Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers. That was kind of the big three. How would you kind of assess the big three in the NFC now? Uh, to me, it's Eagles, one. 49ers are two. Cowboys are three. And then I have Lions, four. Eagles, five. I know you didn't ask for all that, but I gave it to you. <laughs> oh, do you mean Seahawks, five? Yeah, who did I say? Uh, Eagles, but yeah. No, oh, yeah, I Seattle. Know. I know, Seattle. I know yeah, what yeah. you meant. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's 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 totally fair. That's um And while I think the Cowboys are better than than the Lions, I I still feel like the Eagles even though they're going through this gauntlet, I I I still feel like they're going to win the NFC East. And if they do, that means the Cowboys have to go on the road uh to open the playoffs and I don't think that they want to go to Detroit. Um Yeah. And the reason I say it is cuz I think the team's good, but uh that environment will be a tough one. I mean, we're talking about a, a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game since 1991. They almost never host playoff games, let alone have a chance to win one. That, that to me, so you wouldn't play Philly in the playoffs, obviously, in the first round if you were the Cowboys. So out of all yeah, the, the other teams that are there, that, to me, would be the toughest environment. And I'm including that with Seattle. The, the money spot in the NFC is the five seed because you'll take on a Falcons team or a right. Bucks team or a Saints team. And the Cowboys could very much be there, so yeah. And I, I know it's too early to be talking about that, probably, but 
Uh, no, no, KT, did, we are not coaches. We are not players. We can talk about this. We stuff. absolutely can. I hate when they say that they don't watch the scoreboard. They yeah, know. They 100%. know all about it. They all play fantasy. Um, Kirk Cousins gets hurt for Minnesota because that, that was a team who was starting to come along a little bit. They were starting yeah. to put it together w- even without three weeks of Justin Jefferson being out. They were starting to play decent. The Cam Akers yeah. trade, interestingly helpful for them as a Florida State guy yeah. who just couldn't get along with Sean McVay. Can work a little magic for them, and then Cousins pops his ACL. And you and you look at what they had coming up. Okay, so they had won four of their last, or they have won four of their last five. Then they got Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, the Raiders. I mean, they could have got a little run going there. I'd call them up today and be like, "We'll give you Cooper Rush for a fourth round pick." Yeah, I would, say no. they, I would say that they have to be calling around because of, like I said, where they're sitting right now, the division, what they have coming up. Like, I, You're not going to obviously find someone as good as Kirk Cousins, but I would think that they would be calling teams trying to kick tires on, on potential starting quarterbacks. Some of the names that have been tossed about, Colt McCoy, one of them. Jeez, uh, Case Keenum's a name that's been thrown around. Robert Griffin the third. I'm joking. Sorry. I, well, I was sitting there just looking. I was going, well, we did tra- made a trade of a fifth rounder for Trey Lance. Was it fifth rounder or fourth rounder for Trey Lance? Fourth rounder. Fourth. Okay. Let's get our fourth round pick back and give you Cooper Rush. They'll say no, right? No. I, I, there's no way they would He do that. beat uh, them, John. He beat them in their house. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think the I mean, I don't think the Vikings would give up enough to get him. And I think you'd have to overpay because of how much uh, the Cowboys are confident in him if they need him in a spot start here or there in a big game because of what he's shown so far. I don't think that he'll be as cheap as you might think. What? Okay. Uh, take your, get your fourth rounder back. <laughs> it's just John, smart business. Yeah. John, should Cowboys fans be upset if they don't make a move tomorrow? A trade deadline move? Yeah, because... I don't. I wouldn't look at it as, oh, you didn't just make one on the last day. You you didn't make anyone in these last couple of weeks, and other teams uh, that you know are in that position to compete with you in the playoffs are making moves like this. And um, yeah, I, I I just I'm not sitting here saying you got to mortgage the future to make a move just to make a move, but I think that they 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 have every right to feel disappointed if the Cowboys have not done anything to improve the roster. I mean, heck, you look at last year, and at least, you know, they did the Hankins trade. Now, I will say, you never know, they could, they could always go out and potentially sign a free agent-type player, but that won't be on the same level. Um, and then uh, Leonard Fournette today signing with the, with the Bills. I know that's a name that some Cowboys fans would be interested in, so he's off the board. Um, yeah, I, I think that they have... They have every right to be disappointed, but the Cowboys also have every right to feel like, no, we got the guys that can get the job done here. So we will see. Um, I just, going into the season, my two biggest question marks were, I I feel like depth on the, well, three, depth on the offensive line, depth at linebacker, and depth at running back, and I feel the same today. All right, let's go ahead and uh, transition to the Eagles. Sod picked... Eagles 31-28. I'm going Cowboys 30, Eagles 24 in overtime. Am I riding okay. the high? I am. I think there's a little confidence brewing here okay. in the offense. And I think there's enough um, – you know, I, 
I'll probably end up, because I do this every year pretty much, I'll probably end up having them hedge out the series here, you know, later on. But I think the Cowboys are going to get the roadie and maybe maybe get paid back later on in the year. I'm taking Cowboys. How about you, Kent? Shoot, this one's tough. This one's really tough. Just flip a coin. I'm feeling Eagles 38, Cowboys 35. It's what he. It's what he feels. That's what I feel. He's going with what he feels. And you can't go John? away from that. That's how you feel. You got to go with it. I mean, it's a three point uh, line. I mean, he's on it. He's all over it. Three point line. Uh, we thought it'd be, but no. John, uh, enjoy those soft pretzels in the press box. By the way, I am looking Some forward to those very much. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the Eagles to score twenty four. And the Cowboys to score twenty. Oh, yeah. Son, the only Cowboys homer here. Isn't there a party who thinks that because they've only played one close game, they're due for another one? Like, I just can't see them going into Philly and looking like the team that has blown out, you know, the Giants and the Jets and the Rams. Yeah, I just think that they're good. They're going to hit some adversity early on, and they're going to have to overcome it. And so is it going to – I don't think it by any – I would be very surprised if they just got blown out like the Niners game. Um, but I could see it potentially being a little bit like that Cardinals game where mm-hmm. you get punched in the mouth early, but you still have moments you know, in that third quarter and even in the fourth where you're like, hey, if you can get this stop or you can make this play, you can win this game. And I just think they're going to end up coming up short. Maybe one of the biggest questions about this team, not only this year, but really the last few years, prove to us that you can win a bunch of big, close games. Yeah. I think, you know, and blowing out teams is great, right? But we, we do need to see it. Uh, I mean, you just go blow them out, and then we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that's uh, that's always good. It's kind of you the know, Rangers hey. formula. The Rangers try to blow teams out, then like hang on for dear life. Maybe the Cowboys just go blow teams out. We don't have to worry about these close games. One other thing I wanted to say, though, is if this game was at AT&T Stadium, I would definitely be picking the Cowboys. I'll be picking the Cowboys when they play the Eagles, barring any major injuries uh, later in the year. But uh, I know that it's glossed over, and it's probably by a lot, but winning 11 games in a row at home is pretty impressive for – Anybody that's been out to AT&T Stadium, let's not sit there and act like it is constructed for it to be this great home field advantage. Um, there are definitely times where it is. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that place can yeah. be rocking. Um, but to win 11 in a row like that, I, I can just promise you I was at all, all 11 of these games. It was not all because of the environment. Uh, Mike McCarthy has certainly established something there that is pretty impressive. So whether it's the 11 wins in a row at home or the back-to-back double-digit win seasons. Both of these things have not been done since those early 90s Cowboys teams. Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, he's a, he's a big part of, of getting that turned around uh, in an organization where it shouldn't have needed to be turned around. That, that yes. should be something that's a lot more uh, prevalent, but he has done a good job with that. And, and where things are headed right now, it looks like even if they fall short in the playoffs, it looks like it'll be a third straight season of double-digit wins. I mean, he's clearly building something, and so as much criticism as he gets, he deserves, you know, some compliments when things go well. And those are two things that I don't think people should just scoff at, like it's not that big of a deal. Hundred percent. When I read your article this morning, I saw that line because I guess I didn't see anyone talk about it. I saw that line. I was like, eleven straight. Holy cow! Uh, most in football. You know that 
up is up there with the Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown in seven, 17 straight games as uh, you know, stats that have blown me away this week. The other stat that blew me away this week is that Evan Carter was the first guy to hit third in the world series since like Mickey Mantle. Blew third me away. Guy, yeah. Third guy. What third at his he age? Was, uh, no, yeah. The third youngest okay. guy. Sorry. Third oh, youngest gotcha, guy. Gotcha. Okay. That is crazy. To hit number three in game one of the world series. Like, Blew what? me away that uh, Deron Bland has as many touchdowns as CeeDee Lamb and uh, Devontae Adams. Oh, my God. That is a, that's a good one, too. That 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 surprised me, and I will say uh, this run that Aubrey's on. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, that 50-yarder, mm. it had a lot left on it. And, Money. Uh, it makes me wonder. He's in a groove. Yeah, with uh, the way he's kicking it, man. Even if the weather gets nice, I don't see many games where they're going to open that roof and doors in there. I think they really want to use that to their advantage. That they got a they got a big time kicker right now that's 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 kicking really well, and I mean he's booming it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't opened the the roof yet. Let's see if uh, that changes in the coming weeks. I want to end it with one Cowboys note: a player of Cowboys past, Ezekiel Elliott, yesterday had a 17 yard run. That 17-yard run cost me some money as my morning show partner on uh, 97.1 The Freak, Mike Soroy, and I had a bet before Zeke had signed with anyone. And I bet that Zeke would not have another carry for uh, 15 yards or more. I would like to see And then about a week later, (laughs) about a week later, he signed with the Patriots, and I went, damn it, my odds went way down. Yeah. And then he uh, broke a 17-yard run yesterday. So uh, shout out to Zeke. Wow. That is, and yeah, okay. Would you have taken that bet before he'd signed? A week before he'd signed? No. No. Oh, you thought he would get another 15-yarder? Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah, like I don't think that he was the answer to 15 a, yards? Look. I mean like 35 yards maybe, something like that I'd take. But 15? Come on. I want to see this run now. I got to go watch it. <laughs> I know, right? I, almost, I almost want to get proof. Three guys, like, <laughs> three guys fell down. It's one of those where like, he was tackled after five, but he rolled off of the guy because his knee wasn't down. I just, I just want to see it because I want to see what the well, run looked like that made you lose this money. Yeah, I only saw the box score, so I'm like, we could have a stat line, like, like just a statistician failure there. That could have been a seven-yard run that they accidentally only, put seven as longest. <laughs> there was only eight defenders on the field. Yeah. yeah I need my money back. Well, guys. Uh, Good for Shiroi. No, he, just, good he bet, doesn't. Yeah. He's already won enough awards this year. Um, John, safe travels to Philadelphia. Thank you. Bundle looking up. Looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it, though. I mean, this is much like the Niners game, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. But all those come after me being a sports fan, and I look forward to, like, moments like this. I love big games like this. Hostile environment. Uh yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, try to keep that same energy for the Giants and Panthers the, the weeks after the Philadelphia game, too, John. Oh, I mean, I won't, but I can, I'll lie and say <laughs> I am. Yeah, but no, I'll try. No, there's certain games, like when the schedule comes out, you just know are going to be a big deal. And, yeah, this is certainly one of them. I'm, I can't wait. Well, we will uh, have more for you on that next week. Uh, obviously, anything emergency-oriented, we'll cover for you here uh, with an emergency podcast of some sorts. Um, for Saad Youssef, who's out there covering the stars, 
Uh, check out his work on The Athletic for Father John Machoda. And for our producer, Kent Garrison, I am Kevin Turner. We'll be back next week to break down Cowboys, Eagles, and much more on About Them Cowboys. Well, I'd, uh, 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 the secret sauce. Boom.